me to the book of Matthew chapter 6 and we're just going to pull out a familiar, those of us that have been serving the Lord for some time, familiar, familiar verse. In the book of Matthew 6 verse number 33, when you have it, say I got it. In Matthew 6.33, it simply reads, but seek first, everybody say first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your awesome presence that is obviously in this place and Father, we thank you that you're a miracle working God. We thank you that, Father, another year that you have given us, God. And Father, just for everything that you are, for the privilege that we have to be your sons and your daughters. Father, to be in our right minds and free here tonight. And Father, the liberty to worship you and praise you and sit at your feet, God. Father, we ask that as we sit at your feet tonight, that you would speak into our lives through your living word. Allow it to penetrate, to cut. Father, allow it to pierce every heart that is in this place to build us up, to encourage us, to edify us, and to speak, God, and to challenge and change us through your word, Father. Father, we ask this right now, and we're simple. We simply give you all the honor and all the glory, and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. The title of my message is First Things First. First Things First. We just entered 2012 just a few days ago and we have to I pray and hope that uh, that we've made some adjustments and some planning and some set some goals for our lives and that we we look forward to what God is going to do this throughout this year I believe that God has great things in store for our lives I believe that God wants to build uh, our faith, that God wants us to focus on the family, and that God has a great future uh, in store for our lives. How many can say amen? But in order for that to happen, we have to keep God first within our lives. We have to keep God first within the ministry. In every aspect of life, we must it's very important to know tonight, no matter who we are, where we find ourselves at, that we are a people that realize and acknowledge that we need God first within our lives. See, I don't know about you. I need God to lead me and guide me and direct me. Because the old Sammy, the old man, always ended up at a place that he shouldn't be at. The old me ended up in a position I didn't want to be in. The old me got me into a mess and a bunch of mess that I couldn't find a way out of. Come on, is it just me or, or can you attest to that as well? But the Bible says in our text that we have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto us. What are the other things that the Bible is referring to? Well, if you backtrack before verse 33, it talks about don't worry. How many guys know that in, in essence, uh, worry is, is somewhat of a sin? It's somewhat of a sin because if we sit there and we worry, what that projects is we don't have faith in God. We don't have faith in God. And if we don't have faith in God, then we're not God pleasers. And, and I want to be an individual. And I want this church to, to be a church that is able to please God. That when God looks over the balconies of heaven, he looks down upon East Phoenix Victory Outreach. And he's full of pleasure because he sees a people that are crazy enough to believe in him and have faith for what he is able to do. 
I, I want to be able to please God. What about you? I want to be able to bring pleasure to God. I want God to say, you know what? And I said it before and I'll say it again. That that's a church and there's a pastor and there's a leadership and there's a congregation. Oh, that I heard of and that I know of in East Phoenix that are just radical enough. That are just crazy enough. That just have just a little bit more faith than the average believer. And when we believe like that and we're crazy like that, we bring pleasure to God. I want him to look over the balconies of heaven and smile upon our church. I want him to smile on us and say, oh, man, there are a people. They may not be large in number. Oh, but they're large in regards to their faith because they believe in me. And because of that, I'm going to smile down upon them and I'm going to pour out blessings upon their church. I want to be blessed this year. How many can say amen? So we got to keep God first. See, it's very important to have right priorities. What things are first within your life? What are your main concerns? How did you spend this last year that we just finished? How, where was God in regards to uh, your relationship with him throughout 2011? I pray and hope that all of us have set some goals to say, yes, I'm glad that I was serving God, whether it was for one service last year or all of last year. But this year, 2012, it's going to be even greater. I'm going to serve God even stronger. I'm going to do even more for the kingdom of God because I'm grateful that God has given me another year. See, our, our, our worries are interesting yardsticks. They often reveal that which is most important to us. See, we have to be a church and a people and individuals that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See, to seek other things first is a trap you can never get out of. The need is always there and you never seem to catch up. I'll follow the Lord, but first allow me to, and you could fill in the blank. I'll serve the Lord as soon as I get these issues cleared up. And you, you know, you can fill in the blank. But the bottom line is that's just an excuse. We just want to exist for another year. We just want to say, well, well, after God puts this back together, then I'll serve him. After God restores my family and my marriage, then maybe I might serve him. And we come and we enter a new year, such as 20 and 2012, and we, we come with these ultimatums. God, I'll serve you the whole year, but you got to do A, B, and C for me first. But how many guys know that God don't operate like that? How many guys know we're not doing God a favor? How many guys know that in reality, God don't really need us. We need God. We need God. I don't know about you. I can say it until I'm blue in the face, red in the face, whatever color you want to add in there. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have my wife if it was not for God. I wouldn't have my kids or my grandkids. I wouldn't have the ministry. Perhaps I wouldn't even be alive tonight if it had not been for God interrupting my miserable life. Because no matter what background you come from, you would be just as miserable. How many guys know there's no peace without God? There's temporary peace. You know, you can go get a fix and have peace for the night. You can go uh, sleep with somebody you shouldn't be sleeping with and have maybe fulfillment for a night. You, you can go and pop a couple pills and numb yourself to the realities of life and be okay for the night. 
You could go get drunk. Hopefully you guys weren't on New Year's Eve. That's why you weren't here. But you could go get drunk. Right? And think that you're going to drink your sorrows away. But all you did was added more sorrows to your life. You, you could go and get high. Yes, high. You could go get high and think, oh, okay, everything will be okay. And all you did was get messed up and get strung out again and end up in jail again and end up without again, end up messed up all over again. See, you can go do all kinds of things and think that's going to bring you lasting peace. But it don't. How many guys know what I'm talking about? It don't bring peace. The only thing that will bring you peace that surpasses all understanding is the peace that God gives us. And that peace is priceless. It's priceless. It's finer than any woman out there. It's even more better than any good looking man out there. Come on now, right? Right? There's no price tag you can put on it. Right? You can have all the money in the world but yet still be without peace. Why do you think that movie stars and, 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 you know, icons always, you know, end up strung out? Why do you think they end up divorced? Why do you think they end up in rehab? Why do you think they end up killing themselves? Because they thought more money would bring more fulfillment and all in reality it did was bring more problems. But the only one, I've tried the drugs, I've tried females, I've tried the alcohol, I've tried sin, I've tried all those things. And the only thing that brings lasting peace is the peace of God. How many can say praise the Lord? We have to know that. We have to know that. We have to keep first things first. My son, my oldest son, which lives in California, he called me a couple days, just two days ago. He called me, and I don't mean to put his business out there, but it just fits so perfect with my message. So don't call him and text him or Facebook him, amen, and say I was preaching about him. But he called me like at 7.30 in the morning. You know, it was, uh, and it was early. It was Monday, Monday morning. Usually I try to sleep in a little bit on Monday. And he called, and he blew up my phone, and finally I was like, man, who's calling me? Man, who's calling me early in the morning? And uh, I answered it, and I finally called him back because I seen he texted me, Dad, I need to talk to you. That's all he said. And I was like, wow, what does he want? And then he left uh, like five missed calls from him. So finally I call him back. I'm like, what's going on? Waking me up all early in the morning on my day off. And he was like, I just need to talk to you, Dad. I was like, okay, he's serious then. And he was like, Dad, because uh, he, he, his grandma just bought him a, a, a house over there, a nice house. Right? I wish I had a grandma like that, amen. Bought him a house. He's got a job. He's got married. He got married, amen. Has a little baby, amen. You know, he's got a little money. You know, he's waiting for his grandma. You know, I don't want to say it, but he's waiting for, uh, you know, he's, he's the heir. Amen. He's the heir. So he's waiting and, you know, he has the house. He has a nice brand new car. It's actually one of those, uh, what do you call it, when they don't cost that much gas. What are they called? Hybrid. He's got one of those. Amen. So he's got the house, the hybrid, the wife, the baby, uh, the job, a little bit of money. Right. But yeah, he calls me. He was like, Dad. I'm like, what's going on? He was like, you know, uh, I go to work and I work all day and I come home and I eat and go to sleep. I was like, okay. He's like, I get up the next day. I go to work, right? I, I come home, I eat and I go to sleep. I get up, go to work the next day. Uh, I stay there all day. I come home, I eat and go to sleep. He was like, isn't there more to life than just this? 
And I told him, yes, there is. Oh, glory to God. Thank you for asking. I was like, son, you have to know that you can't run from the call of God. God has called you and he has a purpose for your life. There's more to life than just clocking in and out. There's more to life than being married and having some kids in the house and the, the car and the white picket fence and the dog named Spot. There's a lot more to life. We are called by God and God has a purpose, a plan, and a destiny for our lives. And none of those things will fulfill you. None of those things. The house, that ain't going to fulfill you. How many has owned the house before? Uh, they, 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 they didn't fulfill you, Right? You can make good money. Money's not going to satisfy every need, right? Uh, you can be married to the finest, the finest, the most, you know, muscular, cut-up individual. Danny's flexing right here in the front row. <laughs> you don't think I can see because I'm not looking at him. I can see him. It doesn't matter because ultimately you're still going to be without satisfaction until we fulfill what God has called us and created us for. And that's to serve him and to do all that he wants for our lives. So I thank God that my son, he gave me an opportunity and I spoke into his life. I was like, son, the, the, the thing that you're lacking is you're not serving God. You, you, could, you got the house and there's good that you're young. You got a house. You got a car paid off, paid off, paid off. Amen, somebody. Yeah, you got the wife and the brand new baby, right? New marriage, new baby, new house, new car, new job. You got it going on. But if you are not in God's perfect center of his will, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be without satisfaction. You're going to be discouraged. And you're going to be like, man, what's going on? And that's what he was asking me. And I spoke into his life. And I was like, son, I'm not telling you to, to drive over here and relocate your whole family. I'm not telling you that. You have to pray and find out if that's what God wants for you. All I know is there's a Victory Outreach. You've been in the one over there. There's a brand new church. Victory Outreach, they only have like 10 people. It's okay. You can help. You know what it takes to build a church. You can come alongside that pastor. You could become the youth pastor there. Who knows what God has in store for you. But it's not just to work and clock out after eight hours and go home and eat and go to sleep. There's more to life than just that. That's not even living life. That's merely existing. And if we're just going to exist another year, then we're not going to have first things first. So our worries are interesting yardsticks. They often reveal that which is most important to us. See, we have to keep God first in our lives. And all of the other things will fall into order. God will take care of them. There are so many problems in the world. How many can say amen? And your worry isn't going to change none of them. If we're going to worry about anything, listen to me. If you want to worry about anything, I don't encourage you to. But worry about how strong your relationship is with God. Worry about, am I going to grow this year? Worry about, am I going to change for the better this year? Am I going to stop going back to my vomit this year? Am I going to stop compromising this year? Am I going to be committed to God this year? Am I going to be faithful to God this year? Am I going to serve him with any, without holds bar? Am I going to do all that I can for the kingdom of God in 2012? Let's worry about that. Without priorities established, it's possible to spend so much time 
on unnecessary things, you do not have time for necessary things. See, we see people so caught up in the material things. No time for spiritual. The most important things in life often neglected. It's impossible to achieve worthwhile goals without establishing priorities. We so, so many, we see so many, so many wasted lives. Running fast but going nowhere. So busy yet accomplishing nothing. How do we establish our priorities? We must determine the most important things in life and, and realize what they really are. Is it my relationship to God? How much thought or time do I give to this? What ratio of my time is devoted to God? We must be careful of distracting interest. In the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse number 26, it reads, What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Do you know right there in that verse, you could see that the Bible clearly states that you are worth more than this whole world. You and I as individuals are worth, we're more valuable than this whole world. Because I don't know about you, what would you give? What would you give? What would you be willing, you know, uh, to take? You know, is there a price tag that you can put on your soul? Are you saying that, you know, if, if I were able to have this here on earth, then I would forfeit my soul. If God were to give me this or if the enemy were to, you know, reason with me and allow me to do this and, and have this. I would be willing to forfeit my soul. I don't know about you, but the Bible says that you and I are priceless. See, the Bible also says, and we all know John 3, 16, that, that God so loved the world that he gave. And you know that he did that. Even if you were the only one that needed a savior, he would have still gave for you. He would have still sent Jesus to die for you. You're valuable. You're priceless. There's no price that anybody can put on you because in God's eyes, you are valuable. How many can say amen? amen? What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world? What good is it if you have the house, you have the car, you have the wife or the husband, the kids, the grandkids, you have the dog, you have the bank accounts. What good is it if we lose our soul in the end? What good is it if when, when all said is done and over with, if we end up doomed for all eternity separated from God? What good is it going to be if, you know, at the end of the day that we are no longer able to make it to heaven? What good would it be? You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't lie your way into heaven. You can't connive your way into heaven. There's only one way that we get to the Father, and it's through His Son, Jesus Christ. That is the only way. What are your priorities in life? Turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Verse number 1, 2, and 4 we're going to read. It just simply reads, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. See, most people are lovers of self, money, and pleasure. That's what the world teaches us. 
But as believers, we have to set right priorities. We have to keep first things first. What do you believe in most of all? What do you value most of all? What does your life say? How does it read? What do other people see as your priorities? And more importantly, what does God see and know about you? See, I want to share with you what I believe our priorities as believers should be in 2012. Let's learn to keep first things first. Number one is faith. Faith. In other words, our relationship with God. Know what you know. Faith. In the book of Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I like what A.W. Tozer once said. He said, only when you bring your life in line with your faith are you a believer. In the book of Hebrews eleven six, I quoted it a minute ago. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, let that be our goal is we're going to grow in the area of our faith that we're going to earnestly seek him. Yes, seek to get a promotion. Seek to do better in the workplace. Seek to finish your education. Seek to be a better husband, a better father, a better wife, a better mother. Seek those areas in your lives. There's nothing wrong with them. But earnestly seek God. Go after him with every fiber in your being and say, you know what? Ain't no distraction going to stop me from getting closer to God in 20 and 12. Ain't nothing going to get in my way from, from maturing and becoming a, a giant in the faith in 2012. I'm going to grow in the area of my faith. The Bible says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the mustard seed is the smallest seed in the world. It's a small seed. Many know what a marijuana seed looks like, right? <laughs> but a mustard seed is even by far a lot smaller than that. A mustard seed. So if you have faith the size of that tiny little seed, you can say to that mountain, mountains are symbolic to the trials and the problems and the difficulties of life. You could command those mountains, those problems, those trials, those storms, those difficulties to get up and move out of your home, out of your church, and out of our city. Got to have faith. We need to grow in the area of our faith. You want a better marriage, it's going to take faith. You want, you know, to, 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 to do better in this life, it's going to take a certain amount of faith. We must be individuals that live by faith. Are you living by faith? God wants us to live by faith in him in every area. He wants us to learn to trust him in everything. Beloved, when Jesus stood before the tomb of Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead, he prayed these words in John eleven forty one and 42. He said, Father, I thank you that you, heard, you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. See, beloved, although Jesus' public prayer was very short, the most important thing about his prayer was, it, was that it indicated his faith in his Father. Did you hear his words when he said, Father, thank you for hearing me? Thank you for answering my prayer. That was before the prayer was even fulfilled. That was before he knew that God even heard him. He knew without a doubt, God, I know that you hear me. 
When we get up and we pray, or before we go to sleep and we pray, or we come to this altar and we pray, we got to know without a shadow of a doubt that God is up in heaven and he hears us and he loves us and he wants to answer our prayers according to his will. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. Jesus was saying thank you for the answer even before he received the answer. That's living by faith in the Father. We must be individuals that live by faith in the Father throughout this year. And say, you know what, man, I'm going to pray for this, but I know that it's as good as done. I believe that God is a, a, a miracle working God. I believe that God is able to answer my prayer. I believe he's an all-powerful God. And he's able to answer our prayers. How many can say amen? In the book of 2 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7, it says, Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from home, away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. Sometimes we look and we, we can't really see it. But faith is not looking with the natural eye. Faith is looking with a, with a different, you know, a different perspective and a different, in a different light. Faith is looking not in the natural, but yet in the supernatural. Faith is saying, you know what? I may not see it in the natural. Oh, but if I look in the supernatural, I know that it's on its way. I know that this is my year. I know my breakthrough is right around the corner. See, most of us believe that we're going to heaven. But for some reason or another... We don't always believe that God can take care of our problems here on earth. I don't know why. It's like we believe that God is able to heal us. He was able to save us. He was able to restore us. He was able to deliver us. He was able to put back what the devil tried to tear apart. We believe in that. But yet when it's up close and personal, sometimes it's hard that, you know, to believe that he's able to do that here and now. Sometimes it's difficult, though we know that God created the heavens and the earth in six days and he rested on the seventh. It's hard to believe that he would take interest in just our own little lives. But he does. The Bible says that he knows the number of hairs on your head. For some of us, he knows the number of hairs we don't have on our head. The Bible says that he knew us while we were yet still in our mother's womb. He knew us. He cares about us. He loves us. He's concerned with us. And he's not going to leave us or forsake us or run out on us or give up on us. But he'll show up right on time. Every time you cry out to him, he will be there. He'll be there. See, beloved, throughout life, we're confronted with all kinds of problems. And these need to be dealt with by faith, dependent on God. Do we really believe that God can take care of us in everything? When raising our kids with work-related problems, with financial difficulties, with health problems, with marital issues? Do we trust God to take care of these situations? The Lord's the one who makes sense out of nonsense. He's the one who can make things right when things go wrong. He can cure the incurable.
unshakable and change the unchangeable. He is a miracle working God. When everybody says there is no way, God says move out of the way because I am the way, the truth, and the light. He is able. He's able. Come on, tell your neighbor he's able. Doesn't make any difference what we're faced with in life. Faith problems, family problems, financial problems. Doesn't matter. We must look to the Lord and trust him for the answer to life's problems. In the book of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, the home knows it very well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. In Proverbs 16, 3, it says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. They will succeed if you commit it to the Lord. According to God's will, it will come to pass. In Psalms 46.1, God is our, our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. In other words, he's, he's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. He's right here. And sometimes we think that because we're going through troubles that God's nowhere to be found. Do you know that he's closer to you when you're in the most trouble? That he's right there. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. He's not going to run out on you like the, sometimes the person next to you because you go through troubles. He will stick to you closer than a brother. Faith in the Lord is the key to victory in life. If you walk by faith in, in, his, in him and his word, you'll eventually succeed. You'll come out on the other side. You'll come out on the other side. I'm here to tell you, just like my mother, she came out on the other side with a brand new liver. Just like Brian, he came out on the other side tonight. Just like many of us, we've come out on the other side. Oh, the devil thought he had us. He thought it was a done deal. He thought there was no more hope, but he forgot that we have hope not in this world, but hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is able to give us hope when it seems all as hopeless. All is hopeless. Faith. Let me move a little bit faster. Number two is family. First things first. Faith, number one. Number two, family. We must love our family. In the book of Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See, next to our personal relationship to the Lord comes our relationship to our family. We love our family. And sometimes that's not always, always easy to do. How many can say amen? Well, how many guys know our kids know us best? Uh, our kids can push our buttons. Amen. Our kids are the ones that gave us those buttons. Amen. We didn't know we had those buttons, huh? Our spouse at times are the ones that give us even extra buttons, right? Uh, we, we didn't know that, man. Like, where'd that come from? Like, man, your spouse, amen? Your spouse is able to push your buttons. Who can say praise the Lord? Boy, that's a little too much, amen? Family. I have an illustration. A young minister went to an older minister for advice on how to perform his first wedding. The older minister said, just remember that if you happen to forget what you're going to say, you can always quote a scripture. It's always right to quote scripture. 
Well, the next weekend, the young minister performed his first wedding. And sure enough, right in the middle of the ceremony, he forgot what he was supposed to say. So he reminded, he was remembered, uh, he remembered what the old minister said to do. He thought of a scripture and quoted it. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to use that the next time I marry one of you guys. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're getting into. They don't know that they're about to get some buttons. Amen. Not only a ring, but you're going to get some buttons. Amen, somebody. Beloved, it's obvious that marriage doesn't always work like we think it's going to. All marriages have their ups as well as their downs. And sometimes it seems like they go down, down, down a lot more than they ever go up. But nevertheless, we must keep on loving one another. I don't claim to have all the answers when it comes to marriage, but I, I know who does have all the answers. He is the one that we have to go to. He's the one that will keep us together. He's the center of every marriage that is here tonight. How many can say amen? See, more marriages would be healed. Listen to me now. More marriages would be healed and kept together and more marriages would flourish and grow if more husbands would learn to love their wives just like Christ loved the church. How many women can say amen? And if more wives would respect Respect, respect, and love their husbands in a similar manner. How many husbands can say, praise the Lord? Life is not a one-way street going one direction. It is a two-way street going both directions. Love must be practiced by both husbands and wives as best we can. I have a little joke, and I'm going to use it. I, I shared it with my wife, and she liked it, so I, I'm going to use it tonight. A wife said to her husband, how many husbands are here? How many hope to be a husband one day, amen? I mean, like, man, I need my rib, man. I'm like, man, I can't wait, amen? All right. <laughs> a wife said to her husband, when we were younger, you used to nibble on my ear. The husband starts to leave the room. I'm out of here. <laughs> and his wife said, where are you going? Her husband replied to get my teeth. Amen. <laughs> he wanted to nibble a little bit. Amen, somebody. <laughs> Husbands and wives. We must do our best. Not our least to demonstrate our love for one another. Loving our mate must be a priority in our lives. And next to that, we must love our children. Love for our children also must be a priority. We must do whatever we can to love them, discipline them, train them, talk to them, play with them, pray with them, go to church with them and be patient with them. As someone said, our children are the only earthly possessions that we can take with us to heaven. And it takes a lot of love to lead our children in the way of Christ and to heaven's gates. Loving our family, our mates, and our children as best we can must be a top priority in 2012. So the first is faith. We must live by faith. Second is family. We must love our family. And lastly is future. Future. We must look to the future. In Colossians chapter 3, verse number 1 through 3, 
It reads, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. See, looking to the future, keeping our eyes on the future must also be a priority in our lives. Beloved, our future is in heaven. We will get there because of the grace of God. And heaven is where our hearts and our heads should dwell. Beloved, I've experienced, I don't know about you, a lot of good things in this life. I've enjoyed the beauty and the blessing of marriage. I've enjoyed the excitement and joy of having children. I've enjoyed thousands, which is obvious, obvious tonight, thousands of good meals. Good meals. Right? Who's enjoyed thousands of good meals? We've enjoyed some good things in this life. Some good things. You know, many of us have gone to places we never thought we would. I've been to Hawaii. I've been to Jamaica. I've been to Miami. I've been to Cozumel, Mexico. I've been on cruises and planes. And I've been to places. I've also been to prison, though. I've also been in a hospital bed with a bullet that went through me before. I've also overdosed on the street corner before. I've also found myself almost at a place where I was going to be separated from my family forever, though. Oh, but glory to God, no matter what, as long as I hold on to the Lord, one day I'm going to wake up in glory, and it's going to be well worth it. I'm focused on the future. Yes, we all got a history. It's all part of our past. But we don't let our past and the history dictate and determine what our future is going to be. Because our future is bright. I like what Brother Jose said earlier today. He walked in my office. Go figure with shades on. Amen. And I was like, hey, the eye is the window of the soul. Are you in sin? Why do you got those glasses on? And he was like, my, my future is so bright, I got to wear shades. How many guys know our future is so bright? We should all have shades on tonight because God got great things in store for our lives as well as our family and our church. Who can say praise the Lord? I've enjoyed some of the good things. I've enjoyed. I've been privileged to do some things that I thought I would never do. I've tasted of life's goodness, but I've also, like I said, tasted of life's sadness. And the best is still yet to come. I said the best is still yet to come. You don't know it yet, but you got family members that are going to get saved. You don't know it yet, but your family is going to be sitting next to you. You don't know it yet, but you got family members that are going to be healed and delivered and set free. You don't know it yet, but we're going to have standing room only in this church. Oh, the best is yet to come. It's yet to come. But at the same time, we must not become so absorbed with looking for pleasure that we don't look forward to the best that God has prepared for us. Why don't we all stand? The best is yet to come. Faith, family, and future. I have a true story. That I'm going to read. And I just want you just to really just allow the spirit of God just to seal this message. And let it all come together here tonight behind this true story. 
Pastor George Truitt was invited to dinner in the home of a very wealthy man in Texas. After that, the meal, the host led him to a place where they could get a good view of the property that he owned. Pointing to the oil wells on the landscape, he boasted, 25 years ago, I had nothing. Now, as far as you can see, it's all mine. Looking in the opposite direction at his fields of grain, he said, that's all mine as well. Turning another direction toward huge herds of cattle, he said, they're all mine. Then pointing another direction toward a beautiful forest, he said, that too is all mine. He paused, expecting Pastor Truitt to compliment him on his great success in life. Truitt, however, placed his hand on the man's shoulder and pointed heavenward with the, with the other and said, How much do you have in that direction? The man hung his head and said, I never thought of that. True story. And I believe that changed and transformed that individual's life. Sometimes we're so concerned what we own on this side. What we accomplished on this side. What we've done back then and what we have right here and now. That sometimes we're not focused heavenward. And we're not, you know, focused and we're not, we, 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 we don't even have a concern for what's waiting for us in heaven. Even if we're going to make it to heaven. Remember, what profit is a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? We can have the finer things in life. There's nothing wrong with that. I have a nice car. It's old now, but it's still nice. I've owned a few houses and built swimming pools. I've, I've done those things. I've had retirements. I actually emptied them to get the work of God to started here in East Phoenix. But you know what? I may not have nothing to my right in a sense no more. Nothing to my left, nothing behind, and nothing right here and now. But I guarantee you, I got many, many rewards up in heaven waiting for me. Beloved, do we ever think that someday this life will be over? And the next life will be forever? We need to build a life that prepares for the next life. That should be our major priority in 2012. Priorities in life. Faith, family, and future. Faith, family, and future. Why don't we bow our heads here tonight? I'm just going to pray. and I just want you just to allow that to just marinate on that for a moment and how are you doing in the area of your faith? How are you doing in the area of your family? And what I mean by family is, are you leading them to the Lord? Are you setting a godly example for them? If, if just think about this with your heads bowed and, bowed and your eyes closed. Would you want your kids to serve God the way you serve God today? When your kids get older, do you want them to serve God the way you serve them? What kind of legacy? What kind of example? What kind of... Uh, you know, uh, what, what, what kind of, what are we setting for our kids to follow? 
Would you be satisfied with your kids serving them the way you're serving them? If you're not able to answer yes, at least the way you're serving them. If you're not serving them the way that you should, well, thank God that this year we can get first things first and we can work in the area of our family and we can be those better examples and we can live by faith. Faith, family, and future. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that every one of us in this place tonight, God, Father, that we become, God, giants in the faith. Father, I pray, God, for spiritual families, God, that we would, Father, leave a spiritual legacy for our families, God, for our children and our future grandchildren, oh God, great-grandkids, God. Father, that we would leave, God, a legacy, God, a spiritual legacy, Father, for the family. I pray, God, for our future as well, God, that we don't only get caught up in the here and now, but we know that there's, Father, glory awaiting us in heaven. Father, that we build for the future, God, not just here on earth, but for all eternity up in heaven, oh God. Father, let us, God, focus on the future, God. Let us focus on our faith, our family, and our future throughout this year and every year that you bring to us, God. Father, let us, God, get our priorities in order. Let us keep first thing first, God. Faith, family, and future. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. These altars are open if that's your desire. Bibles with me to the book of Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. And we're going to look at verse number 11 through 14, finish off the book of Romans. In Romans 13, starting at verse number 11, it says, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up. Everybody say, wake up. From your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first...